This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to the nerve center of every TV news station, the control room. You ready? Three to voice. Stand by, sound on tape, green. The technical crew sound like they're in mission control for a space shuttle launch. No box going right to blue. Just under a minute. Flash green. Cute. Relaying detailed technical instructions to control room co-workers, videographers. Chopper 9, go ahead. Anchors. Who are a little tight. You can go fast if you like. And reporters. Hey, Maria. Just want to confirm order. You got a VO, tag, throwback to Mijang. Sometimes conveying the tiniest of tweaks to make each broadcast look polished and perfect. Scott, your tie knot needs to go to your right just a tiny bit. Yes. Good, good, yeah, yeah, perfect. So if you're a show producer keeping the editorial on track, this is what you'd hear in the control room where you're monitoring the technical and the show at the same time. CTV News continues. Here's what's making news right now. Okay, animation, then whatchamacallit, whatchamacallit. Uh, looks like you're going to be up in about eight minutes now. As the trial for his accused killer. Animation and wide shots next. Scott starts the read to Norma. Animation, stand by two. Here comes a wide shot. This is CTV News with me, John Lee, and Scott Roberts. And dissolve. Good evening. It was a brazen daytime sex assault that left a community on edge. Now a major break in the case of a woman being attacked inside her and own home. Norma Reed is following this in our breaking news center. And Norma, tips from the public led to the arrest. That's right. And Relief tonight six. for East Vancouver residents. Vancouver police have made an arrest less than a week after this. And red. Today we meet one of the technical wizards keeping things on track with some flair. Hi, boys and girls. It's moi. And the occasional expression of displeasure when things don't go quite as planned. Whoops. Uh, we got a problem here. Summer red and red. Well, that didn't work. I'm joined now by Alex Wong, who's our supervising director. Thanks so much for finally being on the pod. You're welcome. People hear director, TV news director, and I think they think of like a Hollywood director. But what, what do you do, Alex? I'm more like the quarterback. So... I'm in charge of the visual look of the show, uh, so that's camera positions, uh, graphics, video, anything a person would see at home is basically under my umbrella. And you work very closely with Charles Wright, and what is Charles's actual title? Charles is the senior director, so he is the gentleman in charge of the visual look of the shows, of all our shows, actually. So he's the one that's in charge of the video look, the shots that we're uh, using, and any kind of special magic in the TV. I'm more of a person that makes the things happen. So Charles has an idea, and I'm the one that kind of follows through that idea. If we put it in layman's terms, is it accurate to say that you guys are both bakers? Charles is in charge of kind of decorating the cake and making sure that a wedding cake is super impressive for someone to look at. And you're like, okay, i got to find the buttercream and figure out how much butter and sugar and what the ratio is and how that's all going to come together. Is that kind of accurate? That's a very good analogy. Yes, I think that's uh, very accurate. Okay, so right now, as always, we've got a lot of changes going on in the newsroom because technology... It's one of those funny things where we're able to do so much on an iPad, 
But at the same time, there are many things. I, we're just sitting in the control room right now, and people can't see us. There's a, a photo attached to this podcast episode, but it's a little bit like a cave. It's very dark in here. There's a whole bunch of monitors, a whole bunch of lit up buttons. And so in many ways, it seems almost quite primitive, like you'd see TV from like the 1970s, a control room. But it's actually getting more and more sophisticated. And I guess, Alex, walk us through kind of when you first started in this business 20-some years ago, this room would have been full of people. Now it's, it's kind of more full of technology, isn't it? Well, you know, as everyone's job changes, as technology grows, automation takes more and more of a precedent. Uh, when I yeah, when I started here in '97, we would have a control room full of people. There would be one, two, three, four, five, nine people in the control room, and probably five people on the studio floor. So you would have your director, assistant director, your switcher, your teleprompter person, your producer, your microwave truck operator, your audio guy. That's just in the studio. Then you would have three or four camera people out in the studio, plus a floor director, and then your uh, anchors. Now, because of automation, we've really narrowed that down. We can actually do a show realistically with one person. It's not going to be great, but it's possible. Uh, A lot of other stations do have that one-man band where that one person can do everything because they can control all the equipment through their computer. We prefer to have a little more human interaction. It just kind of gives that show that human touch, and it doesn't make it so formulaic. And that's the thing, because I think if you watch uh, TV news in smaller markets, you can tell that it's one person because the anchor, there might only be two shots of that anchor. You're not going to get the wide shot of the studio. You're not going to see a lot of extra things. So I think the fact that we still do have people controlling things here, um, I think you can see it. It's a very polished show. That's what people always uh, say about CTV news is that it's a very polished looking broadcast. The lighting is always perfect. Everything is, is very on point. Well, you know... You got guys with, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years experience doing these kind of shows. And that experience does show on the product you watch on air. There are things you can tell a computer to do, but it's going to do exactly what you say. So if you want it to do something, but you don't say the instructions correctly, well, it's not going to appear how you want it. Whereas when you have the actual humans behind the gear, you can say something and they know exactly what you want and they can give you that look, that feel, uh, that visual product that you want as a director. So I find it so fascinating that we rely on automation because there we've got these robotic cameras now on the studio floor. We've got a, a floor that is laser leveled. It has to everything has to be precise so that these can. Um, Uh, uh, cameras can move around Uh, but a lot of it comes down to the people telling the technology what to do and that's why we are so stringent about for example what we call slugs a slug is uh, a short word that we will give an we will assign to a story. So, for example, it could be a fatal car crash in Surrey, uh, but you can't just call it Sir Crash because a lot of these things happen, so you try to be more specific, so it might be Newton Crash or something. The point is, we uh, a whole story, a whole item that we cover for that day gets assigned a slug or a little word, and then that word uh, gets a date connected to it. So today, uh, we're recording this on the 28th. It would be 28-van- say there was a lunar eclipse happening eclipse and then the name of the and then the show say that it was for the six o'clock show 18 and if it was something that the anchor reads it's vo so it'd be 
28 Van Eclipse 18 VO. It sounds very complicated, but what that is is telling us is that this is a short item that is going to be video playing over when the anchor talks as you see them on TV. And so that you get really picky about slugs and about all this detailed information that goes in there because a very small, you know, you miss the 18, you put a, an 8 instead all of a sudden there's nothing playing. And so a really small problem from human error can be magnified exponentially on the error in terms of the technology that we use. And that's the thing with automation. You have to be extremely precise about everything you do from the beginning of the day till it goes on air because one little mistake can snowball exponentially. So, yeah, you have one typo in a slug. That means the editor who is cutting that video, if they notice that typo and they go, okay, I'm going to cut this video with a proper spelling, but the computer doesn't recognize that proper spelling, you're not going to get that video on air. So the technology is great in the sense that, yeah, I have all these other tools, but if you don't use the tools correctly, your product's not going to be good. You, you can't make your workbench. You can't make your television show. You, you know, that's how it goes. And then every time we change things, because right now we're getting uh, some new systems in installed in terms of editing and in terms of the graphics that we put on the air. Uh, I heard you this morning trying to sort out some, trying to iron out some wrinkles. Uh, it can be highly technical to figure out exactly what's going on so that you can just get a show to air because... If it, you know, people will forgive the anchors if a piece of video doesn't roll and it's just like one 20 second item in the show. If we dump that, that's not a big deal. But all of a sudden, say that there is no, there are no fonts, which is the writing that you see on the show that names everybody and lets you know the, the, what story is happening. We've had newscasts where there are no fonts, there are no keys. People start pointing that out and they're like, well, I, I wanted to know who that was. Why don't I know? Well, we're not trying to keep from you who this expert was talking. It's, it's a serious technical issue sometimes that happens like that. And we, we, we are limited by the technology. You know, everyone's used a computer at home and sometimes it just doesn't work. And, you know, I guess most people go, okay, I'm just going to turn it on and off. You can't do that. You can't just you can't do that when you're on air. And, you know, most of the solutions are unfortunately turning it on and off. But when you're live, you're live. There's nothing you can really do. Uh, we've had cases where you just kind of fumble along. You You make the best of what you have left to keep your show on air. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the technology lets you down and there are show breakers where you can't go to air. But those are really few and far between. Our ultimate goal is to provide television. You know, if we couldn't, then there's no point in doing this job. Uh, we will work our darndest to make sure we go to air and find solutions. There are always solutions that you can do. Some of them are a little more primitive than others. Sometimes you go back to the old way, like a, what we would call a manual show, where you have crew members come back and actually work the equipment. Uh, we're lucky enough right now that we do have people that have that talent and that skill set they might be doing other things in the building, but we can recall them back into the control room. Whereas other stations, they've kind of, I don't want to say dumbed down, but you have people that just push buttons. They don't really know how the technology works. They know, oh, if I press this button, this will happen. But they won't know if this button doesn't work, what do I do then? Uh, CTV is quite unusual that way where we do have we have kept that talent base to give us the ability to overcome technology problems but 
sometimes it gets the best of you. And in the heat of the moment, when it really starts to go south, <laughs> there's some foul language and you, you do have to think of other avenues of keeping the show on air. But that's what we're paid for. We are TV makers. We have to make TV. And, and so, you know, given that, you know, stuff hits the fan there's a reason that you see the anchors and there is like when we're up there reading we've got paper scripts there's a reason it's it's not often that we're going to need that sometimes the prompter goes down it's something small sometimes you know something else happens but you know the whole show could go sideways at least you've got a script there to read um just in case uh but given that um when we have automation we rely on i mean you spend hours and hours a day uh, making sure that this piece of video is going to fire in this order. There's going to be an on-camera with one anchor. Then there's going to be two anchors. So what happens when there's breaking news, Alex? I mean, we, it, automation relies on uh, planning in advance, on having everything kind of tweaked. So how do we, in an era of automation, manage to put breaking news on the air? Because that, that to me, I'm always, like, dazzled that you guys are able to turn things so quickly because it's it's not so easy. Well, you know, that also came with a lot of experience. So we have guys that know okay we have a specific formula for breaking news so say on the six o'clock show our our formula would be the anchor introduces the breaking news we throw to our breaking news anchor then they take it from there so we have what we call a template where it has the certain shots all pre-built and you just have to fill in the blanks so that is our basic breaking news but then you know there are really big breaking news like the port fire a few years ago there is no template for that you are flying by the seat of your pants and that's why you need people that can go beyond pushing buttons you have to be able to think on your feet you have to be able to manage your resources you have to be able to delegate and find people to go okay i need this shot i need this script written i need this page printed for the anchors i need the chopper to fly over here i need my person in uh ingest to route this chopper to a source that i can put on tv i need the audio guy to fax out the microphone of a reporter that's on scene there are probably a million different things you need to think about and juggle but it comes with experience. You, you've done enough breaking news in your life. You kind of know what you need to accomplish. You have this mental checklist. Uh, you can't really write this down and tell someone, okay, if this happens, you do this, then this, then this. Yeah, it works in 50% of the time, but the other 50%, you can't tell someone. You just have to make your mistakes and learn and watch other directors, watch other shows, see how they do their breaking news and you pick and choose what works for you and what is best for the show. And it's interesting you brought up the port fire because I was the lead reporter on that story. This was a couple years ago. We ended up winning a ton of awards for this thing. But it was a very stressful situation because it was super fluid. We were, uh, I was out in the field and we're like watching this big plume of smoke. We knew that we were going to be the lead story and that we were going to get uh, another hit coming back at us at some point in the day and that was an exceptional case because I think I was up in the six o'clock show like five six seven times and it was literally Charles in my ear being like we're coming back to you in 90 or I would have to pitch on the other side and say hey they're getting a lot of water on this the smoke is turning from black to white and it's huge so then you're trying to relay that back through the producer producer talks to the director and then you guys mm -hmm. then have to go rejigging the the lineup again because 
in a breaking news situation, like there have been times that, you know, the, the director or the producer is like, you know, do you have any video to roll? Well, no, I'm just out here. It was, I remember there was once a, a windstorm and there was a tree that fell on a, a car uh, that had a couple kids in the back seat. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. But so then I end up standing there with smashed glass everywhere and, and this tree. And uh, and you guys were like, okay, are you throwing to any video? No, it's just me. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I'm sure. But then you have to adjust the template again because you're prepared. The, the template is usually there's going to be some sort of video or there's going to be a clip. So it's, it's a real dance between uh, the field and the control room. And the audience has no idea what it's taking to make that look as seamless as possible. And that's exactly true because... At home, you see, oh, you see the anchor, you see the reporter, you see video, you see the the reporter walking around doing a what we call walk and talk where the camera pans off and shows close-ups of the damage or the fire or whatever the breaking news is. It's all about communication. And sometimes you have producers talking to one team and the director's talking to a second team and your assistant director's talking to a third team and you kind of pool your resources to figure out what is best for the the breaking news. Sometimes there's a skeleton plan. Sometimes you take whatever is presented to you. If the reporter on the field goes, oh, I've got this great video or this is live or all of a sudden there's an ambulance leaving with injured people you make a call and say, okay, instead of doing plan A, we're going to plan B or plan C or plan D, or we're just going to go live and just let Penny dictate what the video is for now. If she mentions, say, the port fire and she's standing on a bridge and the port fire's behind her and she mentions, oh, the smoke's gone from black to white, I might go, hey, we've got that video. I'll tell my assistant director, find that video for me. They get that ready to go and then gives me the opportunity to put that video to air. And it's a struggle for us in the field, too, because it's we're struggling with editorial with a producer to say, hey, like, you got to come to me now. And then you guys have to do the technical, like, how quickly can we turn it? And I'm just remembering a certain example. It's a weird story if people haven't heard it. There was an escaped emu on Vancouver Island that had been on the run, Lucy the emu, and, and this emu was a boy named Lucy. And this emu was running around, and we decided that day that we were going to fly with Chopper 9 over there to see if we could find, if we could scare out the emu or something like that. Anyhow, we end up getting there and it was around a, a, the, the university in Nanaimo. Lo and behold, they were capturing the emu right as we were getting there. So I, you know, get on the horn with the producer right away. You need to come to us now. They're putting this emu away. They got it. And I was like, no, it needs to be now. But they were in like an important story or whatever was happening. They couldn't do it right away. Then the technical had to happen. So there were certain things that you want to take it live. But between editorial and and the technology in terms of being able to drag in that template, unfloat it, get it ready to go. Sometimes we don't get that immediacy that we would have been able to um, sometimes uh, under the old system where it was just people making a judgment call and not having to worry about coding something for it to be ready to go. And that's true. Uh, unfortunately, with technology, you are handcuffed to the coding. And much of my day is coding, determining shots that have been made from weeks and days beforehand and figuring out how templates work. And, you know, there's a ton of factors. So with you, a crew of two or three, you aren't as flexible as you are with a crew of 14. Um, you just don't have the manpower anymore. But with experience, with talent, you can think of ways around. But yeah, and ultimately, you are handcuffed to a certain extent. 
One thing that I have to say that uh, between you and Charles and, and Scott, who directs on the weekends and stuff, depending on who's sitting in the big chair directing the show, I cannot stress enough that you guys are technical people. You know the stuff inside and out. Like, your your technical knowledge is just, like, unbelievable. But it's so important, the human touch as well, because um, I've been in the anchor chair when stuff has not uh, gone as planned. I have been in the field when, whether it was port fire or other things that are super chaotic, news channel is making requests, online wants stuff, you're expected to tweet, you're expected to do all these things, there's a lot of pressure on you. Uh, to deliver or things are going sideways and you need somebody to kind of help you and I have never heard a panicked voice in my ear not once you guys are all very calm you're all um, on top of it and you never let the talent uh, the on-air people you never really let on sometimes how bad things are going for you guys in here and I can't um, tell you how much I appreciate that as an on-air person the fact that you don't let on anything, and you keep us in a calm headspace so that we're able to deliver what people expect us to deliver. Well, that's the whole thing. Panic kind of breeds panic. Regardless of how chaotic it can be in the control room, you cannot pass that on to your anchors because when they start panicking, the viewer at home knows there's something wrong. You know, you get the deer in the headlights, you get the fumbling around. You don't want any of that. You want to try to present something that's very polished, very professional, and very calm. So when you are talking to your anchors, you got your adult voice. <laughs> and in the control room, when you're not on the intercom, you may be swearing, you may be yelling. You know, of course, n nothing's ever personal, but it can get heated. Uh, there are different styles of directing. Some people are more animated than others. Some people are very calm. Some people like to go crazy. It's up to the you know the person, but you cannot pass any of that to your anchors. You have to be you know pleasant. You got to make sure they're calm. You got to reassure them. You got to feed them information because sometimes they are in a bit of a void because they're just reading and sometimes no one's talking to them because there's so many voices in the control room talking to each other. They forget, hey, there's someone on TV still. So, <laughs> Which is funny to think about, but I think this whole job is just so surreal in some ways that you kind of, you're not in your own silo, but you're so focused on what you have to do that, yeah, you kind of tend to forget that that person may not know that, um, you know, the green monitor is not firing today for some reason. And so you you have to, you know, do all sorts of mental gymnastics to figure out how to keep the show on the air. And sometimes you're telling them as certain elements go on TV. Like I might, if you're sitting in the anchor chair and we're going to breaking news, I might go in your ear, fire video. And I'll put that video on air and then you'll know what's coming up. I don't want to surprise you. I don't want to leave you out hanging. I want to make sure you are comfortable in doing your job and surprises are never fun when you're on tv regardless if you're out in the studio floor or in the control room you want plan you want to plan it always because i can tell you surprises feel like forever whether i've screwed up and i've you know put something in my story that i shouldn't have or any type of surprise when you're sitting there trying to respond to something that you're not expecting for me it feels like it lasts 10 minutes and i've got this awkward look on my face for 10 minutes i know afterwards when i look at it it probably lasted a second most people wouldn't notice but it's a terrible feeling so the fact that you guys are there as a safety net for us is huge it's and and knowing that you're there and you're always going to to be there to save us it's 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 a good feeling knowing that you're never going to leave us hanging 
Well, you know, we try. We try. Sometimes, you know, we're human. We make mistakes. Uh, sometimes we're a little inattentive. Sometimes the, the coding's not right. You know, there are times where, you know, you hit the wrong button and all of a sudden your anchor's on, back on air and they're brushing their hair or whatever they're doing, you know, and it's, it hurts. It hurts because I've let you guys down. You know, there's tons of times I've, you know, taken off my headset at the end of the show and gone, geez, what have I done, right? <laughs> How, like, you know, and it, it's really embarrassing, embarrassing and, you know, I feel really bad making the anchor look bad. You know, most of the time, it's not horrible. But you know, you sit after the after the fact and you think, "What could I have done better? What should I have done? What did, what did I do wrong?" Right? There's it's human nature to not want to do a bad job, but you know, sometimes it's out of your hands, and you do the best you can. On the flip side, I have to tell you that one of the things that makes me just feel so good as a journalist is. You know, reporter, you've got your head down. You've been working on a story for hours. Sometimes you get a, a really quick assignment and it's breaking news or whatever. You've got to turn something really quickly. You've only been working on it for an hour, which is not a lot of time for us. Other times you've been working on something all day. You're trying to um, present something that's really emotional. You're trying to present something that's really funny. And I really love that after I've been, you know neck deep in something all day I finally struggled to get this I've wrestled this greasy walrus <laughs> to get it on the air and it goes to air and then I'm I'm watching from my desk or outside the control room and I hear the control room staff I hear you guys laugh or I hear you say oh my god or whatever when I get a response from you in the control room I feel so good because I feel like whatever your response is, as you're busy doing everything else, someone has that reaction at home. And so you're kind of our first sounding board. You're our first test audience to see kind of how something's gone over. And that's a really great feeling. So I just I don't want people to think that it's all negative or stressful or awful what you do, because there's a lot of levity and a lot of good moments. And your reaction to our stories, it just makes me feel so good. Well, you know, we like to have a good time. It can be really stressful. So you, you try to laugh when you can. But... You know, as you're saying, when you get a reaction out of the control, that's that's a good thing because nine times out of ten, we're so busy, we're not really paying attention to what's on air. We're planning what's the next step, what's going on. We're troubleshooting. We are talking to reporters out in the field. So we're not really, really paying attention to what's exactly being said sometimes. But, you know, when we do hear that one or two good moments, you know, we will say something. We'll pop in the anchor's ear and go, hey, you better say something about Penny's story because it was really good. Or, you know, we'll go into the reporter's ear and like, oh, that was fantastic, right? So we're, we're trying to make everyone have a good time. <laughs> you say that now is that you were on the phone 20 minutes ago trying to sort out all this technical stuff I, I want to thank you so much for being on the pod and for explaining uh, some really insanely technical stuff in a way that I hope people will understand you're welcome Thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV, and I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sudgeon's Lady at the Ledge podcast combining politics, current events, and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues of the week. Is there a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of this podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos. Daphos.